Put God first. Your presence in their lives gives them validation. Our children don't need us to be superheroes. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Men, stand up, be fathers. Hey guys, it's Mark, your host and founder of The Inspired Legacy. As always, this is the show that equips and inspires you to be spiritual leaders in your home. Today, I've got a fun... Ah, fun is not the right word. I'm just going to be open and honest with you guys. This is a conversation that I have been nervous about having. I'm just going to put it out there. But it's one that we have to have. We have to have more of it. And I, I wanted to have it with somebody that I knew and that I trusted and I knew that was an expert in this area... I want to talk about, help me out here, Terry, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You got it. All right. So, Terry, welcome back. You're the first repeat guest on the show. So I don't know how you feel about that, but it's a kind of a milestone. So hats off to you. I love it. Thank you very <laughs> much for having me back. You're one of my favorite people to talk with as well. I uh, appreciate it, man. So if you guys don't know Terry, go back and listen to episode 29. He dives deep into his story. It's fantastic. Um, so hit the pause button, go back and listen to that, and then come back and listen to this. But Terry knows a thing or two about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like I said, it's a conversation that um, we're not having enough of. And I'll just be honest, like I grew up in rural Nebraska. I had to drive three hours to Omaha to find anybody that didn't look like me growing up. So I know that I have some, we'll call them unconscious biases. Yep. Um, but I don't want to, and I don't certainly don't want to pass that on to my kids mm. unknowingly. So I think it's important that we as leaders in our homes educate ourselves on this topic so that we can then in turn educate our kids. And hopefully, you know, the next generation, we're not having to have this conversation. Yeah. Or maybe so we good. maybe we do need to. I don't know. That's why you're here, Terry. <laughs> That's so good, Mark. And we were chatting offline about something else. And because we're friends and we're brothers in Christ, you know, we care about each other. And we start talking through a little bit about my work and where I'm at and who I am in the community and who you are in community and in our families and you know, it's so beautiful to be able to have a safe place to have healthy dialogue about our whole selves. And we have begun to talk and I have begun to share with you a little bit about equity and a little bit about unconscious biases and things like that. And it's so rewarding and refreshing and beneficial when we are open to each other in that way to seek to understand. So I just commend you so much for just getting into this um, new space uncomfortable space and I'm uncomfortable too. And, and in that we're going to grow together in this and help others grow. So All right. This is cool. I got you. You got me. Let's do this. <laughs> so tell us, maybe let's first start with defining what these are, diversity, equity, inclusion. So right now, when we look around our community, when we look around the country, and, and period, you've heard this term diversity. You hear about it in the schools and the numbers, the demographics growing. You're probably starting to hear a little bit more about equity 
and wondering what does that exactly mean? You probably have your own understanding of what equity is when it comes to the money that's inside of your house and how you can leverage that and, and make some different gains on the equity in your property. But what is this thing about equity when it comes to, to race? What's racial equity? What's gender equity? How is equity more than a financial term? And people are trying to figure that out. And then also inclusion. Inclusion, you've probably heard of before as well, and which is inviting people to the table and, and, and creating a place of belonging. And so all three of those things together is this, this uh, sector and this study and this movement called diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we're talking about it in Sioux Falls and it's important in Sioux Falls. 100%, man. So let's just go from there. I mean, what are we doing in Sioux Falls? And and I don't know if the if what we're doing in Sioux Falls is also happening across the country, you would know better than I would, but what are those things? Well, we're having conversations about our differences. We're really recognizing that Yes, we have a more alike than we do different, but we are all also very unique and different in our own ways. Whether that whether that includes like where we're from, where we were born, where we went to school, our 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 makeup and our family dynamics. We got single parent homes. You've got people who's been divorced. You've got all different type of experiences that people carry that are unique and different. And not that you won't find anyone to relate to who has that commonality, but it's coming into this space to recognize that we do have differences. And that's how I define diversity. Diversity means differences. And if we can begin, Mark, to help people to to re-perceive diversity as more than just race, color, gender, religion, these things that sometimes can be triggering and activating and and divisive, and we can just embrace diversity as differences, we would then come to recognize that diversity benefits everyone because everyone has unique differences. So now as a leader, as an influencer, when you're hearing diversity, if you can wire in your mind that that does just mean support for Black people, support for women, support for disabled. It means support for differences and we all have differences. Diversity is good for everyone. So in my mind or from my experience, you know, I, I sort of prided myself in the fact that I didn't see color and I, Uh for the longest time, I thought that was a good thing. That's the, that's how you should um, look at the world. And I, again, from where I was coming from, it was based off of a, a good place. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that when other communities hear that language, mm-hmm. it's uh, off-putting. Wow. So explain that a little bit. Why, why is that not necessarily how we should be approaching that? Here we go. Here we go. Time to open it up. It's important that you recognize that statement is not a true statement. It comes from a good place. It is not a true statement. Unless you are colorblind, you see my color. So for you to to articulate and declare that you don't see it is to look me in the face and lie to me. And then you want me or, or would assume that I would have a respect or a trust in you 
when you looked me right in my face and said that you don't see something that I know you see. Right. And 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 why it hurts, and you, you said off-putting, it's offensive. Right. Why it hurts is because it denies my reality. I am 100% black in America. And being black in America has a reality that comes along with it, just like being a woman in America, just like being a white male in America, just like being a pastor in America. Whatever your identity makeup is, there's a reality that comes along with that identity makeup. And for you to say that you don't see my color is to deny my very reality. And when that reality, Mark, comes with anxiety, depression, fear, worry, concern, you in that statement completely minimize and neglect to honor all that is true and authentic to me. Yeah. And I have since learned that through having conversations like this with you and other folks, like I've opened, it's my eyes have been opened mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right to, to say that denies everything that makes you who you are. <laughs> and you know, all of the struggles and victories you've had growing up in America as a black man. Yeah. Like it just negates all of that, which is not fair to you. And it, oh, it does the whole conversation a disservice. So I guess, uh, my apologies for my past behaviors. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. And from there, from that humility, from that accountability, you grow, we grow, we influence others to come into this space of, of honoring differences. So I actually helped someone with this just yesterday. So I'm going to, I'm going to offer it here too. Yeah. The, 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 the statement it, we said is not true, but the you, you, it comes from a place of, I see your soul. I see your spirit. I see your humanness and, and, and that's okay. That's, and that's the intent. Important. That's the intent. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what I would advise people to, to come into the statement of saying, I see your color. I see your gender. I see your role in the community. And I recognize the weight and responsibility and challenges that comes with that, with that identity. But for me, what's more important to me is your soul, is your spirit, is your future. So now I make a statement that I see you and I honor you and I recognize the challenges. But for me as a person, I care more about your soul and spirit. I won't take offense to that. I am also a soul and spirit. I am also a father. So if you tell me, Terry, I see that you're you're black in America, you know, being, being sure. I see, I know you're, I know it's, I see you. I know it's hard being a minority. But you know what, Terry, what I care about, too, is you being a a good dad. And how can I help you be a better father? Now you honor my differences and address the thing you want to mold without negating, offending, hurting, harming me and making me feel even more invisible and oppressed and marginalized. Because that's what's happening with those certain demographics, black, brown, gender, others. They feel marginalized, oppressed and invisible. And there's trauma in that. And when you say you don't see me, you add to that marginalization, oppression, and invisibility. So knowing or understanding that there are lots of other folks out there like me using the same language and, and, you know, 
folks in the black community have heard that for years, maybe their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Are we at an impasse or can we, can the communities reconcile this? Yes, we can reconcile it. We I don't even like using the word communities cause that's divisive. Like we're see, this is where I'm like just completely through. ignorant, man. Well, we can reconcile it with humility and accountability and commitment. The humility to recognize that I was off in my statement. I was well intended, but I but I was off. I I I, I was wrong. And you can have good intention and 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 be wrong. And it's okay when that happens. What's well, not okay if you don't acknowledge it. So through, through humility, you recognize it then you acknowledge it and then you commit to just changing your language and, and, and addressing the situation differently now, because when we're doing a culture change, a big part of culture is language, the language we use. And so now as I'm, in, as I'm coaching and I do this work, right? I do this work as the hurdle life coach. I consult, I teach, I educate, I help people to shape, reshape their minds, thereby reshaping their language and then their interaction and behavior that brings us to a place of more inclusion and unity, even in our differences, because we honor our differences. We honor the diversity. And I developed this commitment for myself at 20 years old. I I went into the University of South Dakota. I became a minority at the University of South Dakota. I was not a minority in North Omaha, Nebraska. I went to school and was surrounded with people that looked like me. But when I went to Vermilion, South Dakota, and I became one of few black students at, at that university, I recognized that I was different. And I wanted my differences not to scare people, intimidate people, or frighten people. I wanted them to be honored and embraced. And I, and I, and I recognized that if I want that for me, I should do that to others. And then I became a fan of everything different than me. I love talking with small town people. And they're and hearing about their culture and the way they grew up and those different. I love learning from those differences. If we can get there, Mark, if we can see a, a woman in a hajib, a Muslim, if we can if we can see an immigrant from from different from different parts of the country, uh, the world, if, if we can see a woman, if we can see a pastor, if we can see a homeless person, if we can see someone different than us and become more curious and less suspicious. Holy buckets. Yes, we can get through this together when we honor diversity and honor differences. I agree. I think that post 9-11, I think the challenge that a lot of America faces is there are certain um, communities of immigrants that are viewed as a threat. I'll just be completely honest, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's not Mm -hmm. right. I'm not I'm saying that's not right, but that's Mm -hmm. just how it is. And Mm -hmm. so. Short of just time, because time heals all wounds, so mm-hmm. we're so we're told. Um, what can we do to get over that hurdle? Mm. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's not allowing an incident to blanket an entire demographic. Right. That's the thing. I know many gentlemen, we're being candid today. I know many gentlemen, white males that are freaked out about being a white male because there's been some examples 
of white men who have done horrendous things. But they're like, hey, I'm not that person. I'm not that white male. You know, I'm uniquely me. That's not that's not fair of you to think that I'm just like everyone else because I'm white male. Same is true for black male. Same is true for law enforcement officers. Let's get a little more tender and sensitive into yeah. this space of law and justice where we do work and see a lot of work. It's so hard. It is such a um, a challenge to get some communities to honor law enforcement. The difference, uh, the differences in law enforcement, the 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 challenge there to to um, receive their differences with honor and not fear. And we don't want one bad cop to blanket every your perception of law enforcement. We don't want one, you know, Hitler to blanket what it means to be white male, nor do we want one incident of 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 of, of foreign terror to blanket an entire religion of people. I know some good Muslims, very good Muslims. I know good people who practice Hinduism, Buddhism, atheists. And, and we as Christians, if we are to be anything close to our savior, then we engage with grace, with mercy, and with love. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I think, yeah, that's a good point. I think that if you call yourself a Christian, then you've got to step up and lead the charge. Everybody who calls themselves a Christian needs to be leading the charge in, mm-hmm. in all aspects of this conversation, 100%. Mm-hmm. And embracing people and yeah. including people and loving people. So now we're getting into this place called inclusion, yeah, right? which means to let people in. So now we have to evaluate ourselves. Now that we're, we've talked about diversity, how can we look at our inclusion behavior? Who, who, who have you invited in to your circle of association, social association, personal association, professional association? Who have you invited in? Who is, who is included in your 24 hours a day? And who is not? Who are you willing to let in? Who won't you? Who, who, who when you see them, you go the other way? Who, when you see them, that you lean in. And we just got to do an honest evaluation about where are my biases. Mm. And, and I've got some too. Absolutely, I've got some. I, I, I've come a long way with my biases from law enforcement. But you better, you better bet that there's been plenty and many of times if I see a law enforcement officer going the other way, don't even know who that is, have no idea uh, that person's uh, identity or makeup. And my bias is like, go the other way. Not good for me. And we do that same thing with homeless people sometimes or other demographics. And when you feel that, when you feel that that unction to go the other way from someone, evaluate that. Because now this is a place of, 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 of work to do for your commitment to inclusion. That's a good point, man. You have to be aware of those feelings. And then, yeah, just pause and evaluate it. Ask yourself, why am I feeling that way right now? Yeah. If, if you're speeding 
and you were avoiding the cop, then maybe that's a good reason to avoid the cop. But if you're just avoiding the cop to avoid the cop, mm-hmm. what's wrong with there? What's, what's going on? And same with the homeless person. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, the homeless person, that scenario, that's, that's real. Cause mm-hmm. quite often you'll run into people and, and they're panhandling, but mm-hmm. again, put yourself, uh, you know, put your Christian hat on. They're mm-hmm. just, a, they're just a person. And they may mm-hmm. be asking money for the wrong reasons, or they may not be. Right. But we can, even even a small interaction with somebody like that can make an impact in their life, right? So why avoid that opportunity? Huge. Ran- acts of random kindness. Yeah. The ARC, right? The ARC, yeah. A-R-K, acts of random kindness. We, we are called to do that. We are called to, to do acts of random kindness. And I was just having another conversation with a friend that says, agitation, irritation, and frustration, these are indicators and opportunities for for maturation, for maturity, for growth. Anytime you feel an irritation, an agitation, or a frustration, you can choose to to, to go external and, 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 and do the work to try to change your external environment or that person, or you can do the internal work and say, what is it in me that's irritated by that? Right. Agitated and frustrated. So when you feel those, 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 those energies, that's an opportunity for growth there. And you don't have to make a decision right then and there and change, but you can make a decision right then and there to reflect and introspect and find a friend to talk with it about and work through it. I I recently heard from Lenny Duncan, this community just brought together, brought here this really radical speaker named Lenny Duncan. He's a part of the ELCA church. He has a book called Dear Church, and he's challenging some things. One of the things he says is, Mark, there are people who are practicing their religious freedom, but they are not practicing Christianity. Hmm. It's different because Christianity is neighbor first. Christianity is neighbor first. And so now if we aren't truly treating our neighbors as ourselves, treating the others as ourselves, we are not practicing Christianity. What what happens for me when I see panhandlers is I perceive them as my own. I if that was me, what would I want someone to do for me in that moment? Right. And I also challenge people to say if that was your family member, if you were driving and you hadn't seen your third second cousin in years or whatever and all of a sudden you saw them on the side of the road, you would pull your car over and go say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? How can I help? I love you. Well, this is the type of love we're supposed to have for strangers, for our neighbors anyway. Am I saying you should stop every single time? You've got places to be responsible. I get that. I'm saying challenge the perception that you're having when you're seeing these people who are down and out on their luck and see them as yourselves, see them as your family, practice Christianity, include them in your love, include them in your grace. Yeah. And I think it's helpful too, that if we, that we seek out those opportunities to kind of put ourselves in those positions, right? So don't, Mm -hmm. don't avoid downtown just so you don't have to run into these people Mm -hmm. or go, go serve somewhere, go volunteer, like insert yourself into the equation. Mm -hmm. And it's going to help you spiritually mature. Yeah. If you hear about that so many times over the pulpit, that go and be the church. Church is not coming to the building to hear the word. 
That's right. discipline. That's diligence in seeking God's face to be filled up. That's not church. Church is when begins when we leave. Yeah. Right. The hands and feet. Yeah. Church is the hands and feet. Yep. So, you know, what does that look? When are you doing church? Cause you're not doing church on Sunday at 10. You're going to hear the word of God. Mm-hmm. When are you actually doing church? Yeah. That's good, mm. man. That's good. I know in one of our previous discussions, we were talking about inclusion and you painted this visual picture for me that really helped me understand and I'm not going to attempt to repeat it, but I'll see if I can remind you what of what it was. It was the, they're, they're trying to look over the fence. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. This, this helped me. And so if you guys are watching this, um, hopefully it will help you. If you're listening to this, um, Terry, maybe you can keep those folks in mind too. So here's what we're talking about. Can you see my screen there? I can. Yep. Equality versus equity. So we were talking about equity. And people are confused about this concept because people are so committed to saying that equal treatment is the intention, is the goal. Times have changed. Equal treatment is not the goal. Equitable treatment is the goal. And the definition of equity is the distribution of resources and support contingent upon the need of the individual's unique differences. So in this picture, you can see that there's three people who want to see the game, but they all aren't the same height. So if you give the the community all the same amount of resources, equal treatment, you can see that that doesn't actually solve the issue for the person who needs more resources and support than others. The next picture is equity in action. You can see now one individual has more resources than another individual, but now everyone can has equal access to that which is the goal, the pursuit of happiness, employment, housing, whatever that equal access is that we want people to have. We also have to recognize that some populations of people have disadvantages that don't give them the same ability as others. So now when you look at equity, you can see the distribution of resources contingent upon a person's differences in their demographic. Yeah, that's really good. And um, yeah, the visual just makes it crystal clear. So again, yeah, for, go ahead. Oh, no, what were you going to say? Really nothing of value. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to add that. I also point out that in this picture, you can see the person in the middle now is paying a little more attention to the person to their right. In the first picture, no one's concerned about the person who's disadvantaged, whether that's physical disability, mental disability, some of the racial oppression and gender oppression that is historically factual in our country. Men, I mean, gender, race, disability, veteran, there's been some oppression historically in our country, and some people don't have the same advantages. But because of the belief that as long as everyone gets the same amount of treatment, then you have people who don't even pay attention to those who are disabled or disenfranchised or marginalized. But when you do equity, now you can see the person in the middle is paying a little bit more attention to the person on the right, including them, seeing them, and honoring them with with equity. Mm. The, the, The other part of it is, what does justice look like? 
justice, as you can see, is is it's is all three can see the game without accommodation because the cause of the inequity was addressed. The systematic barrier was removed. So if we have an issue with equity, which we shouldn't, but some people do, then let's be uh, advocates for justice, which is removing the systematic barrier. So now when we're having conversations about systematic oppression, policies, procedures, and laws that block people from access, now we can get justice. We would accomplish justice by removing a systematic barrier, and then there's no need for resources because everyone has equal access because the systematic barrier has been removed. Mm. Man, that's good stuff, man. It's deep. And, and one other piece of it is to now take a look at the reality. Now we're looking at the reality. We've talked about equality. I've defined equity. Now take a look, Mark, and those who are watching with us are reality. There are some people and populations that have so many resources that they're leaps and bounds ahead of other populations. And then there's other people who are deep in a hole in regards to a pursuit of happiness, employment, housing, other things we want people to have. So we've got so much work to do in equity because the the scales are already tilted because of historic oppression, different privileges that were granted to other populations that weren't granted to others. There's generational wealth, generational inheritance that does not exist in certain populations. I will be absolutely clear right now that I do not have, I have not inherited anything from my family. There's no businesses, there's no land, there, there, there's even no business sense that I was able to d- develop and understand, get a teaching in early in life um, like some others have had the privilege to. So when we have a conversation around privilege, which we didn't know we would bring up, but I'll say it now, it has to do with access. To have a white privilege is to acknowledge that you were giving access to certain things that other people were not. It is not a revocation of your work ethic or what you have earned through your own consistent discipline, uh, responsibility, accountability, being law abiding. Acknowledging your white privilege does not revoke your work ethic. It does not take away from anything that you have earned, but it does recognize that because of your whiteness, that there are some access and privileges that you were granted that other communities were not historically in our country. And when you acknowledge that, you will see the inequity and you will become an advocate for equitable treatment, not just equality. You will start to embrace diversity and differences, and you will start including people without feeling threatened by them, that if I give them resources, then I'm, then I'm enabling them or, or I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm enabling them. There, everybody's in this boat. We need to distribute resources, but we also have to develop individuals' capabilities. So there's people like me in this world that are also working with people who have been 
uh, treated inequitably. And I'm building up individual capabilities. I'm teaching job skills, communication skills, resilient skills. We're all in this together, but I don't have necessarily some resources to financial resources to distribute to support. We're all distributing resources in this effort for justice, in this effort for inclusion, equity, and diversity. And together, we can really actually even the level the scales because right now it is not and it has not been for many decades and centuries and we are just now together as christians as humans trying to do the work to acknowledge the harm and hurt that has been done and and to make things right through equity mm. inclusion and honoring diversity terry it's good stuff man i Thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for being willing to kind of, uh, guide us through this, what could be difficult to hear conversation for some people. So guys, if you're listening or watching to this, you know, if, if you've heard something that maybe you don't agree with, or you find yourself just kind of clenched up a little bit, mm -hmm. just ask yourself, why, why is that? This mm -hmm. is an important conversation that we need to keep having, um, as men, as leaders in our homes, but as a society in general. So Terry, yeah. again, thank you for your work. Um, I you. have no doubt that um, there's probably a lot more that we didn't get to today, but again, I think this is an important topic to kind of just raise awareness and, and get yeah. it out there so people can be talking about it and thinking about it because that's the right. only way we're going to make change. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this, Mark. You're leading by example. You're, you're sharing your space, your platform, your accesses, you're lifting up a diverse voice right now with honor. And this is the work that needs to be done. Me to you and you to me together. We all have different privileges. We uh, There's privileges that I, I've had that you don't have, but it's just about sharing in those spaces and places. So I am available for more conversation to businesses, to churches, to youth groups, you name it. My, my, my call is to be an educator in this space, an inspiration in this space at the Hurdle Life Coach, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, you name it. Um, I'm here to help. And I'm so grateful, Mark, that you invited me to be on this space with you. You bet, man. We'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. And thanks again for your time, man. Appreciate it. Got it. God bless. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And again, if you got anything out of today's message, remember to subscribe both on the app that you're using to listen to this episode as well as on YouTube. Leave a review and share our message because when we work together to lift up fatherhood, we're going to change the world one dad at a time. Until next time, live inspired. Live inspired.